Another thing that I should say uh, about this whole thing of employers and employees is it's hidden in the Bible. You won't see very many, even in uh, the modern translations, you won't see much said about employers and employees. It's hidden in the terms slaves and masters. So you can just read right over top of it because you don't think of slaves. And, and, and for many people, it's an it's a odious term. I mean, the idea of slaves, all of, our, all of our understanding of slavery here in the West really is because of all that led up to the American Revolution or uh, the Civil War. And it's, it's, it's got a, a, a negative attachment to it. Slavery has always existed since the fall of man. And it was part of the Roman world. Uh, a lot of people were conquered. Nations were conquered and brought into slavery. And uh, uh, Paul addresses it. He doesn't, he doesn't abolish it because he's not talking about that kind of slavery. He's talking about an indentured life where maybe you got in trouble and you sold yourself out and, and you got a job, but you get, you get money. You're actually buying yourself back. And, uh, and that was a reality. That was a level of of, of being a slave. And masters, we don't think of ourselves as masters, but those two terms really are about employees and employers, and that fits most of us that are here. And um, what would happen is you would work for someone, and and there was a level of of, uh, slavery where you would work for someone, maybe in their household or in their fields or their business, uh, doing some kind of production, then it would occur to you that this, these are good people. And I've got to pay. They treat me good. And, and this is a kind of life I would like to give myself to. And so you'd go to your master and you would say to him, uh, I don't want to leave. My time is coming up. I don't want to leave. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to be a bondservant. And that's what Paul's addressing here. And bondservants got paid. And the idea of bondservant comes out of the law. God had quite a bit to say about slavery that was just. He would say things about uh, you, there must be an end to it. They must be, he's the God of all hope, so there has to be a way out. There has to be a way forward. There has to be an end to this thing. And so he even devised a, a plan where all slaves would be set free after a certain period of time, this jubilee. And how you treated your slave and how you, how you were to, to, to look after them was really important to the Lord. He'd even talk about how to treat your donkey. It's in the law. He made provisions for it. But part of it in the law was this thing called bondservant. And so you'd go to your master and you'd say, I, I don't want to leave. I, I'm willing to work for you for the rest of my days. I, I, I love you. And I love the way you treat me. And I love, I love what I'm doing. I don't want to leave. My time is up, but I don't want to leave. And what he would say is he'd say, well, come with me. And he'd, he'd go to a post, like beside Nelson here. He'd go to a post, and he'd take you, and he'd put your earlobe up to the post, and he'd run it all through it, making a hole, and then put a big earring in there, and you knew and everyone else knew that you were now a bondservant. That was in the Bible. And it was a level of employment. You got paid, but you were committed to that person. And uh, some of the verses about employees are hidden in the concept of being a bondservant. 
the Apostle Paul, what he did in, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, I'm not working for people. I'm not working to be seen by people. I'm not working. I'm not striving to please men. If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And so what Paul did, he says, I don't serve Jesus because I have to. I serve Jesus because I get to. I'm his. Lock, stock, and barrel. I am his because I want to. I'm his because he's been so good to me. He's been a master that I'm willing to give my life to. And he referred to himself as a bondservant of Christ. That's powerful. But also Jude and James, who are both half-brothers of, of Jesus, Joseph was their dad, Mary was their mom, they said, we're bondservants of, of Christ. What a powerful thing for these guys to have grown up in the carpentry shop and, there's, and then find out that Jesus really is Lord. He really is the Son of God. He really is the Messiah. But they said, our relationship with him isn't because we're related. It's not, it's not because we have to. It's not because we're, we grew up together. We are committed to him because of the way he treats us. We've decided to become bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've given him our ear. It's a powerful thing. The other thing that Paul was trying to do, the context for almost everything he said about employees and employers is the context is headship. That there's levels of authority. And the first one he starts, and he's usually talking about the husband. And the, that the father and the husband both have a level of, of, of authority. And he describes that because the Gentiles didn't have any of that kind of concept. And he says, husbands, you, you have to treat your wife the way you would treat Jesus. Wives, you respect him as if he was Jesus. Call him Lord. And there's this whole thing of, of, of authority in our lives that Paul was trying to lay into them. And he talked about a, the, how to treat the policeman. He, in in um, Romans chapter 13, especially in the Living Bible, it says that those who bear the sword are the, the policemen. He says, this is how you relate, how you relate to policemen. This is how you relate to judges. This is how you relate to government. And he maps it out for the Gentiles because they just didn't have any concept of that. And in the middle of this, he talks about children, how to relate to their parents, how to talk to your mom and dad, how to, how to get your guidance from them, how to seek the Lord and your parents give you guidance. I can't tell you the number of young people that I've met through the years who had, they were a vacant lot. They had nothing growing. They didn't know where anything was. They didn't know how to go forward. And they learned how to go to their parents, trusting the Lord to speak to them, and, and got direction, got provision from the Lord through that line of authority. Well, Paul, as he's teaching this, you see it in Ephesians 5. He lays this all out. And then he goes into this whole thing of teaching about employees and employers. And so I was a new Christian, and I... I I'd never heard this before, but I read the Bible and I see, well, <clears throat> my boss is not just my boss. My boss is someone I need to learn how to relate to in that, that area of my life, which is a sizable chunk of my life. Then how I relate to my family, that's another part of my life. How I relate to my pastor and how I get guidance from the Lord through my pastor. I had to learn, I had to learn that the hard way. That was a big lesson. See, there's part of me I avoided bringing anything to my pastor or, or, or didn't want to share everything with, with uh, people who are over me in the Lord because I wanted my own way. I wanted to I'd do my own thing. I didn't want them. They might 
They might squelch it. They might, they might say no. And I was afraid of that. And I had to learn how to trust the Lord to use his system. There's about five major areas of authority in my life. And I had to use his means that he created, uh, these avenues of authority, believing that he would speak through those lines of authority if I truly submitted from the heart. It was a major, major lesson in my life. I, I remember <clears throat> at, <clears throat> excuse me, at one point in time, uh, I'd been working for this company. And uh, I felt like the Lord was stirring me up to start my own company, to go on my own. I'd been in business my, for myself before, so that wasn't the issue. But I was scared. I, I, I did not want to miss the Lord. I couldn't afford to be out of the Lord's will. And all this was coming at a time when Heather was pregnant for our second child, who was born the week that I launched out and started my own business. And I'll tell you, I was, I was hanging on to the Lord. I had both arms and both legs wrapped around the altar. I just, I needed Jesus to make sure. I didn't want to miss it. And so uh, uh, part of headship is I am a, I'm a head because I'm a husband. I'm a dad. But as a, as, a, as a husband, I needed to make sure that Heather was part of the decision. Headship says I can decide, but anybody that I decide for, for me to decide to go in the business for myself and not have a paycheck, even though my paycheck with the company wasn't very great, I was going, I was going to nothing. And so I wanted to make sure that she was willing to go along with this, and I had to include her so she could pray and she could be part of that decision. That's good headship. And I went to my pastor, and I explained to him what I was interested in, too, and got his input. Let him, let him speak to it as well. But then it occurred to me, I need to go to my boss, because the Bible talks about treating your boss as if they were Jesus. We'll, we'll look at these verses in a few minutes. My boss didn't know the Lord. She was a partier, and she did not know the Lord. And, and that whole thing I had, and she's a lady boss. I mean, that was part of my, that whole macho thing. But I had to trust the Lord with this. I wanted to use his system of guidance. And so I remember I didn't want to just give her my two weeks, which not everybody did, but that would be like the minimum I wanted to actually hear from the Lord. I wanted to get the Lord's input through that avenue of my life. And so I, I stepped into her office doorway and I said, you know, do you have time to talk? And, and uh, I told her, I, I feel I'm supposed to start my own business and I'd like to give you notice. And, uh, but I want you to be part of this. I want you to tell me what you think. And, and, I, and I did something I'd never done before. I'd laid out all my decisions and my plans and and in the integrity of my heart, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to take any customers with me. That was part of me being upright before the Lord. And I didn't, want to, I didn't want to use company time to build a base so that when I left and I started that next Monday, that first Monday, that I'd have customers. And so I just felt that would be stealing. It would be cheating the company if I used that time to tell all my customers, I'm going to go and do this and join me, be, you know, create that base of business and I told her that and I laid it out laid out my plans my strategies completely and the most amazing thing is she sat there and she'd never had this happen before I'm sure nobody ever treated her with this kind of respect and I, I did it as on as if she was Jesus 
and laid that out. And I'll never forget this. After I did this, she had, she, she was a smoker and, and she had been smoking and, and her lips were candy apple red lipstick, glossy red lipstick. And after I finished laying everything out, she took a drag on her cigarette and through those candy red lips, she blew out the smoke and prophesied the word of the Lord to me. And it just gave me shivers. I mean, give me goosebumps. She actually spoke prophetic input and, 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 and insight and, and encouragement that I was lacking. And, and I could hear the Lord speaking through her, not because she was godly, not because she was saved, but because of her position of authority in that area of my life. I went out of there with confidence. She became my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. I went out there with confidence that I was lacking. I could hear the Lord speaking through a line of authority. Very, very powerful. So let's look at some Bible verses concerning this. We can't cover them all, but I'll make this available to you. But let's go into Ephesians chapter 6. Chapter 5, he's building this whole thing up and talking about pastors having authority and, and uh, husbands having authority and dads having authority and, and, and how kids are to relate to their parents. And, but then he moves in this whole thing about what I think is he's talking about is employees and employers. But he starts it off with language that we're not used to. And he says, bond servants. Are there any employees here this morning? Employees. Be obedient to your employers. This is Ephesians 6, 5 to 9. With fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you masters, do the same thing to them, giving up threatening as a motivator, knowing that your own master is also, also is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. This is a powerful, powerful section of scripture. He does the same thing in Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 25. It's almost the same thing he's writing to these Gentile believers. This is amazing scripture and insight into, into this. You treat them as if they were Christ. They're not. I mean, and they, they don't even know the Lord. It's not because of their position in him. It's because of their position as an authority in our lives. And he says, do it. The way you work for the company is, is, is you're aware that God is looking. That's called the fear of the Lord. You're doing it for his eyes. The best, best definition, as I've studied the Bible all these years and as I've, I've given thought to this, the best definition of the fear of the Lord is being mindful that he's looking and that he's listening. And that's no threat. You want to please him. You want, you, want to, you want him to see everything you're doing. The reason you're not bound by the punching a time clock and you don't cut quarters and you don't take stuff home from work and you don't uh, double your, your, uh, um, your lunch hour and you don't call in sick when you're not sick. And the reason you do that is because he's looking. You work for him. And he says when you work for him, he'll reward you. 
That's where your promotion lies, and that's where satisfaction lies, and that's where pay raises come in. It's not from the company, it's from Jesus. We see this in a powerful way in the story of Joseph, where, where he served Potiphar as if he was the Lord. And next thing you know, Potiphar says, hey, run everything. Just look after everything. There's something about everything you touch, it works. There's such a blessing. God's favor, his blessing is so on you. You're in charge now of my whole household. I don't have to look to anything in my hand because you'll, I know I trust you to take care of it. I want to, I, I, I'm as, as a young Christian, as a young disciple, I want to work for the company like that. I remember going in for the first week of, of work. I, I saw other guys come in with, with bumper stickers that they put on their desk telling them that Jesus is Lord. And bumper, back then we carried briefcases in, in this line of work. I didn't want a bumper sticker on my briefcase. I wanted them to see that I was a Christian by, by my behavior, by my respect, by my sincerity, by the way I, 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 the creativity that flows from the Father through my heart to the company. And I had meetings with the boss, the guy who owned the company, because they knew that they were, they were dealing with someone that they had never dealt with before. They could see. I ended up doing weddings. I ended up doing uh, times when they were sick, visiting. I ended up pastoring the company. <clears throat> I could sit down and talk to the owner of the company and, and witness to him at such a high level, asking him probing questions because I had earned some kind of right to speak by my behavior. I thought if I had a bumper sticker on my desk, that would blow it. You know, there's the old story of the, uh, the police calling someone and, and saying, uh, we think your car's been stolen. He says, why do you think my car, I've been driving it. He says, well, because I had a bumper sticker on it. It says, Jesus is Lord. And whoever's driving it, Jesus isn't Lord. See, someone must have stolen it. No, that was me driving Jesus needs to be Lord of your car. He needs to be Lord of, of the company. He needs to be Lord of, he wants to be Lord of everything. What you do for him, see integrity, you know, and, and our work ethic. Our work ethic comes from the Father. It doesn't come to impress people, to get a paycheck or a promotion. Our work ethic, our work ethic comes from the Father. He's a hard worker. It's not a Mennonite thing. It's a God thing. And it should come out. It should be a powerful, powerful witness. that I, He says he'll do it. He'll do it. He says he'll be there at nine. He'll be there at nine. He says that he'll, he'll cover that. He'll look after that. He'll turn in receipts. It's done. We just know. We know he's full of integrity. Jesus was full of integrity. He was in business for himself as a carpenter. And, and there's a guy named Trillian who was a, a church father back very, very early, like like the year 200 or so, that you can read some writings of his very, very early in, in Christianity after the Apostle Paul. And, and he wrote, and it startled me when I read this, he says, you know, there's still some plows that Jesus made when he was a carpenter, and they're still being used today. Like they're still using a plow that's 100 years old that Jesus made. The reason is it was built with integrity. It was built to last. It was built with craftsmanship. That's, what, that's how we should witness. That is our witness in the workplace, that we do things right. When it's, they don't have to wonder if it's been cleaned. It will be cleaned. It will be orderly. It'll, it'll be square. 
Well, that doesn't come out of being a Mennonite. That comes out of being a, a bondservant. We're not doing this for people, people's applause or people's approval. We want the approval of Jesus because he says that he'll reward us and lay up an inheritance for us. That's one of the, one of the things that he talks about in Colossians chapter 3, verse 25. He says, he says uh, 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 do it heartily as unto the Lord, not on the men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. I want that reward, don't you? Is that better than any paycheck? Is that better than any retirement fund? Better than any promotion? The, the promotions that have thrilled my heart have been the promotions that have come from Jesus. Where he says, move this guy up. He's got something to give. That was the Joseph factor. Your company should be so blessed because you're there without you saying anything just because everything changes when you, when you put your hand to it. Everything grows. Everything prospers. Everything works. There's creative solutions. You can fix it because you've tapped into the creator. You should be the best asset of any company you work for. And if you're a boss and maybe even a middle boss or a middle manager, I mean, they should be hearing about you because of the integrity of your heart, that you serve the Lord. You're sincere. When he says, be sincere, uh, the word sincere is an unusual word. It means to be sun-judged. And, and uh, that phrase really come out of the marketplace. Uh, guys would build clay pots you know, a, a vessel to put oil into or uh, some kind of product. And, and as they clink around and they're handled and they're being stored, they, they get cracked. And now, you, now you're stuck with a cracked pot. And so when no one's looking, you would take some beeswax and you'd fill in the crack. And it would hold water for a while, but eventually that wax is going to open up and you... That pot, I mean, they might get a week out of it, but then when it breaks in their own house, it's on them, it's not on you. And so uh, a, a manager or owner of a shop, he would be a chiseler, and he'd, he'd fill that crack with wax. So if you're discerning, what you do is you take it out into the sunlight, get it out of that, that market tent, and you'd hold it up to the sunlight, and you'd turn it, and as you turned it, you would see the, the wax would show up. And what Paul's saying is you should live a life without wax. There should be nothing fake about you. Nothing that's just a good presentation, but inside there's nothing there. Aren't, aren't you tired of all the wax in our government that's, that they say and do things that aren't true, that aren't real? It's all for presentation. He wants us to live without wax. Peter wrote about it. Peter wrote quite a bit about it. He wrote about masters as well. Paul wrote, he says, uh, uh, masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair. That means they're getting paid. Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. What he's doing here is so profound. He's, he's taken them from the, the now and now and taken them into a, a level of living life now for eternity. He's saying someday... You're going to stand 18 inches in front of Jesus, and he's going to say, how did you treat your employees? Did you pay them? 
Did you pay them what was fair? Did you pay them what was just? That's, that's important to the Lord. He's writing this in Scripture. James, I'll tell you, James, he hit that so hard in James chapter 5, it makes you shudder when you read it. He says, oh, you wealthy, you rich people. He said, all the coins, all your stash of all your money and all the stuff, your treasures. And he says, hey, you stash it, and it begins to corrode. It begins to turn green. He says, all of that is going to condemn you because the people working in your fields have no money, and they don't have food to eat. And they're crying out to the Lord of the Sabbath, saying, help us. We can barely make it on what we're making. Meanwhile, you're stashing money away. He said, that money, you'll, it'll condemn you. That money will bite you. It'll burn. It'll burn. You'll feel the pain of that. When you stand before the Lord, and, you, and you'll see how he treats you because of how you treated your employees, man. It changes the company. It changes how we live changes how we relate to people. God is watching. I hear some of the men talk to Jamie over Christmas, and I, I know how Phil relates to some of his employees, and, and uh, there's guys who work for Walnut Creek out in Ohio, and I hear high, high it's like the high water mark. I see how the Williams brothers look after their staff. I see different, I know Bob's self-employed, uh, I, I know you relate to people as well. I, I'm, I'm proud of you. I feel good about where we're at. So I'm not saying this to, to step on your toes at all, other than just, well, I've never heard a sermon about it. I've never heard anyone teaching this. I think we should be mindful. I mean, it's such a major swath of our life, our work down here. It should touch eternity. It should be worthwhile. Amen? All of us will give an account for how we spend our time. One of the things that I, I worked on here are five reasons why we should work. And Paul actually wrote these. He wrote them to the Thessalonians, uh, to the Ephesians. He listed out, see, they're Gentiles. They don't have much of a work ethic because that work ethic comes from the creator, it comes from the father, they're detached from him. But also, our flesh hijacks that whole area of our life. And, and uh, uh, there, there are whole cultures that just don't, they're not really big on working. They, they try to avoid work. They punch the clock, they want to get paid, but they, they avoid working. And the Gentiles were just like that. And so he's, he's writing to motivate them to come up higher. And some of them, uh, they didn't want to work. They just wanted to eat other people, let other people feed them. And so he writes to them, to the Thessalonians who are brand new Christians. Then he writes to the Ephesians <coughs> who are more mature. And he, he lists about five reasons why we should work. <clears throat> Number one, we should work to provide for our own, to provide for our family. Number two, we should work to honor the Lord. Number three, we should work as part of our witness. We're light and salt. That's a major part of our life. It's part of our witness. People are watching. Number four, 
He says you should work so you can be able to give to those who don't have anything. Give to the poor. We should work to give. We should work to say, I've got something. I want to make a difference in everywhere I go, and I'm going to use my money to give. That's a part of the motivation to work. Number five, we should work so that we're not dependent upon anybody. And Paul actually wrote these things. So you are... Uh, uh, to the Thessalonians, that you can walk properly with before outsiders and not dependent on no one. You want to be free. These are powerful, powerful reasons to work. And um, they affect our forever. Some of the reasons that we've come up with for working down here if we work, build a business for the applause of people to get some kind of plaque or some kind of reward, that's just too chintzy. If you work to live a life of retirement, to take advantage of people so that you can live at ease, that's, that's, that's a poor reason for working. You have to tap into something higher, something, something real. When we create businesses in order to get uh, a claim, we create businesses so we don't have to trust the Lord later on in our life. We create businesses that are prosperous so that somehow we, we make it in some kind of Ford, Ford 500, some kind of listing. That's a poor motivation for working. It has to be more immediate. It, it meets the need of my family. It allows me to give something away. It makes us so I'm not dependent on anyone else. Plus, I'm a witness. It shows up that my life, my life, I live by a different order. My life, my life isn't like anyone else's life. In part because of him who I serve, my master. I'm a bond servant. Amen. I wrote quite a bit more about it, but uh, we'll make these notes available for you. You'll be able to go to our website and get them, download them, and study it out for yourself. Plus, what I did is I mined out in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes powerful, powerful promises for those who work hard and, and uh, promises you can stand on that your businesses, your work will prosper because the word says so if you live at a certain certain level of, of ethics and having a work ethic, you will prosper. It's, it's, there's promises for it. I'll make these available for you. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Something happens to my vocal cords. I've been preaching since about, or talking since about nine this morning and worshiping, singing out loud. And <clears throat> forgive me for all the hacking and Let's pray. Jesus, I'm yours. Lock, stock, and barrel. I'm yours. The labor of my hands, the sweat of my brow, my work ethic, my business, my dreams, my aspirations, I, I, they're yours. I give you my ear to be a bondservant of yours. I want to please you. I want to live. You've been so good to me. Nobody has been 
as kind and generous and as honoring and as supportive as you. I choose to live for you. I'm yours. Now and forever. Lord, I want my business to shine for you. I want my work to shine for you. I want people to know, to get a sense that I'm different in my work because of you. I want to be light and salt in this community. I want to be a person of integrity. Trustworthy. A man of my word, someone who when I say I'll do it, it'll, it'll be done. God help me. Parents, train your children to work hard. Train them to reasons why they should work. Train them in this whole thing. So why don't you pray with me and say, Father, help me to train my kids. Help me to train my kids to, to live an honorable life, a fruitful life. Teach me and I'll teach them. Train me, I'll train them. God, create, lay a vision on my heart that I can raise my kids in a way that everybody will want to hire them. Help me. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.